Welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today we're joined by Mickey Vokovich from USA Skateboarding and the Skateboarding for All Initiative. We met Mickey at a Play LA event here in Los Angeles, California, where they had set up a clinic that was an inclusive clinic for skateboarding for all. And that's what their initiative is called, Skateboarding for All. And as I stood in line with my daughter and I watched... Not only the diverse and inclusive environment they had created for all children to participate, it was the manner in which they were supporting these kids and celebrating their achievements. We can all relate to different events that perhaps don't actually push our children to their potential or celebrate with them these accomplishments allow them to see their ability and that they can maybe do something new or learn something new, allow parents to watch their children be supported and attain a new goal, find a new passion or something fun, just even just the joy on everyone's face that was participating. We went into this conversation thinking, this is a great program about inclusion that I want to highlight and put out in the world. There's an event coming up that I want to let everybody know about because it sounds fun. And Yeah, we'll have some links to it in the show notes, but it's December 11th in Carlsbad, California, and you can also watch it virtually for free. But this episode is so much more than just about that event. This conversation leaves me wishing that the world was a skate park. Yes. Because what we found in this conversation was the dynamic metaphor for inclusion and humanity. And I'm left with such joy and delight this afternoon. I hope you are as beautifully affected by this conversation with Mickey as we were. So welcome, Mickey Vukovic. Good morning, Mickey. Thanks for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on with you guys today. This is exciting. So we met at a Play LA event. It's the first time we've attended that event, but this is an event that is about inclusion and including all kids in sports. And that's where I came across your skate clinic. And so I wanted to talk to you about that today because one of the things that really struck me about your clinic and the entire event was just the inclusion. And one of my favorite things that I saw, though, it wasn't inclusion as in, hey, look, we're being inclusive. It was just inclusion without um, focus on difference or ability or anything like that. So I wanted to have you on because we like to celebrate those things in the community because I believe that voice and that conversation being out there is hope about change. And so I wanted to talk to you about your clinic and your organization. Thanks. Um, That was a really wonderful day. It's been a while uh, since I myself had been out to a skate clinic and a skate event like that with brand new skateboarders. I mean, these were kids who hadn't had the opportunity previously. And that's exactly what at USA Skateboarding, 
you know, we're striving for with our, our new skateboarding for all initiative. It sounds like a slogan, but really it's, it's sort of when we were talking about as an organization, what can we do post Olympics, you know, now that some of the pressure is off to organize a team and prepare, you know, what kind of an impact can we have? It's about opening that door and letting all kids understand that they can be skateboarders. You know, they don't necessarily need to aspire to be Olympians because that's not the, the true benefit of skateboarding. The true benefit of skateboarding is pursuing your own path and your own sort of trajectory within it, wherever that may take you. And there's, there's a, a myriad forms of skateboarding. What you see in the Olympics is just the two you know, dominant forms of park skateboarding and street skateboarding. And I can speak from personal experience as a skateboarder of 40 plus, you know, having been in it 40 plus years, you don't need to be a champion to make it, you know, a big part of your life and, and, a, and a focus. And in my case, you know, it's been part of my career path, but it's a personal pursuit. You know, I mean, skateboarding ultimately is about your relationship with your skateboard, right? You and, and this object and what you can do with it. And everybody's sort of on that same path with their own skateboarding. And when you come together at a skate park or an event like this, suddenly you're seeing other people's own interpretations of it. And you pay attention, you see what they're doing, you're seeing different nuances of how different people stand on their board or what they do with it. And that's the beauty of it is because everybody brings their own thing to it, they own their, own, their own personal approach, their own personality to skateboarding, regardless of their ability or their level, right? It's an expression. And so, you know, it's not about technique or ability or who's doing what trick, it's about how they're doing it. And that, that's what I think skateboarders really appreciate one another. And so when you have an event like this, where you're bringing in a group of kids, particularly a group of kids who have never skateboarded, you're seeing their own adaptation to it, in this case, for the first time. And particularly when they're brand new at it, you're seeing them achieve their very first accomplishments on a skateboard. You're seeing, you're seeing them go from, from, you know, in some cases, terrified to just elated, right? Because they've navigated over an obstacle or they made a turn or they didn't fall off, whatever, whatever that, that accomplishment is, you just see that. And that kind of energy is infectious, right? And when you have a bunch of people in that same sort of area doing the same thing, it just starts to spread around and it just like, like a pinball machine, all that energy just bounces around. And that's what I think really created that situation, that scenario that we saw at Play LA was just kids lighting up with their first experience on a skateboard. And that went for, you know, the adaptive session we had earlier in the day to, you know, all the kids that came throughout that day. And they were so psyched. There were several, several kids who after finishing their session, because we had one-on-one -on -one instruction with instructors, they got off the course and they went right back in line to come through again. And they had to wait, you know, probably 20 minutes. It got, the line got pretty long at one point, but, you know, we made sure that every kid had their time and the undivided attention of a professional coach. So it was amazing. And that's just the magic of skateboarding. And I, I anticipated that going into the event, but, you know, when I saw it actually happen, it was like, great, you know, it, it, it's still there, you know, skateboarding is still doing its magic, you know, across the spectrum in terms of kids in terms of, of backgrounds and abilities and challenges. And, you know, it, it, it's just something about it that just, you know, attracts and inspires kids. And it did, did so for me as, as, as a youth. And I've seen it over the decades, you know, continue to get kids going. And, and um, we certainly saw that in LA. When you're talking about uh, what you saw that day about kids being able to 
you know, have their first experience with support, fall off, get back on again. I just, as you're talking about it, to me, that's the argument that I give every time I go to fight for my son's education is this is what inclusion is, is allowing every child a place with the supports and then watching them navigate it for the first time and experience it and grow, like giving them that opportunity. And that's what I thought was I mean, it's such a beautiful metaphor for everything that us parents really, I hesitate to use the word fight, but it's what we pursue and advocate for. And that's what I loved so much. I feel like we have to backtrack a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about you, your relationship with skating, and then also Skateboarding USA, because it's more than just what this inclusive program. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so USA Skateboarding is the, the USOPC uh, designated national governing body for skateboarding. That's, that's a mouthful, but USOPC is the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Um, and so we are the, the organization in the United States that organizes and supports the US national skateboarding team and the US Olympic skateboarding team. So that, that's the typical role of a national governing body or an NGB. If, if you ask any skateboarder what a national governing body is, they'd be like, what are you talking about? No one governs us, <laughs> you know? And that's true. And so it, it's kind of a strange name, but um, in, our, in our case, this is an NGB for skateboarding. Um, in our mind, it isn't so much a national governing body as it is a national go-to body, right? So we're here to uh, fulfill our role in you know, identifying, organizing, supporting, the U.S. national team and international competitions, including the Olympics. But we early on recognizing back in 2003, when we first organized, long before getting the designation from the U.S. OPC, we included in our mission statement language that, you know, not only um, dedicated us to, to, to supporting the national team, but to supporting the community and the culture of skateboarding, right? Though in, in the lead up to the, to the Tokyo Olympics uh, this last summer, there was so much to do to prepare for that, you know, and then take into account the year delay, all the ridiculous COVID, you know, restrictions. I mean, not ridiculous in the sense that they were wrong, but they were, there was just so much to do, very onerous uh, process of making sure the athletes were, were tested and prepared and, and retested and on and on all the way until they got to Tokyo. Um, it was so much to do that really that was all that we had the bandwidth to really accomplish up to then. Um, in the background, I've, I've been working on skateboarding for all for close to a year now. And it, it's an initiative that finally helps us fulfill that original second part of our mission statement from back in 2003. You know, as, as skateboarders at the time, I was on the board of directors for the organization. We understood that there was much more to do than just, to, you know, perform a technical role of, you know, running a national team. That wouldn't have been good enough. So, um, but now we get to fulfill that second part of, of our of our mandate and, you know, create something to benefit the culture of skateboarding and um, skateboarders generally, not just the top 21 in the country. Um, and so Skateboarding for All is, is our initiative that combines a number of programs, uh, some of which, which we've been working on for some time and other new ones um, like the Skate Clinic program and the uh, Instructor Accreditation program we're, we're working on right now. And the idea is that we use our position as the designated NGB and our participation in the Olympic movement to really be a, a beacon to kids and to parents and to those throughout the country who maybe haven't seen or haven't had the opportunity to look at or learn about or experience and try skateboarding and really send them the message, a really simple message that, you know, skateboarding is fun, skateboarding is a community, and you're welcome here. You know, um, whatever intimidation, whatever barriers they perceive or that maybe do exist, uh, between them and, and, and really having an opportunity to try it, 
we want to break those down and we want to open those doors. I mean, in LA, it was great because we got to partner with our friends at California Rampworks and they built that beautiful course. You know, we were given a, a plot of dirt to run a skateboarding clinic. And so they literally had to create a plywood platform and then build some, some ramps and stuff and did a beautiful job. And, you know, on top of that, they painted it in a nice Sherbert palette, which was wonderful because it just, the space just kind of glowed. And I think kids, you know, just were attracted to come see what that was, you know, and then obviously we're like, come here, come here, you know, put a helmet on, get in line here, you know, hook up and, and connect with the instructors and go. So the Play LA clinic was our first skateboarding for all clinic. And, you know, you can, you can plan all you want, but until you actually launch it, you don't really see what it's going to look like. And, um, you know, I, I think the results of that day went well, well beyond what we expected, you know, I mean, having kids just lining up and, and ignoring the fact that there are seven other sports available to them, you know, all around the area, they were getting back in line to come back through and do more skateboarding. And uh, to me, that was, that was great because it shows that skateboarding still has that, that same magic that it did when I was 11 and first got on a skateboard and, and I haven't gotten off. So <laughs> here we are. So you started the initiative in 2003. That's when the concept came. What And inclusion wasn't a big pop word back then. What made that important to you? Well, I think that's just natural to skateboarding. Skateboarding's always had a low barrier to entry in terms of getting involved, particularly since the 90s when, when street skating became the dominant form. Before that, it was ramps and, and pools, which were you know, structures that needed to, you needed to find them or build them. Um, and so that created a barrier of a barrier. But in the 90s, skateboarding really in the late 80s and early 90s, skateboarding really opened up and, and, and took on, um, you know, a street form, which where you would, you know, everybody always skated around to get from skate, you know, a skate ramp or to the skate park or to whatever. But it was only at that time when people started using what they found in the street as, you know, sort of the skate park itself, you know. And if you look at a skate park today, you'll see a lot of stair sets and rails and ledges and, you know, different street type elements, because that's where skateboarding really grew, you know, for the last 20 or 30 years. And the great thing about street skating is other than the fact that, you know, at that time there were no skate parks, we were forced to skate, you know, where we weren't, allowed, we weren't supposed to, but it really leveled the playing field. I mean, literally anywhere you had concrete or asphalt, you could skate and almost like the more challenging, the the less built out your community was, you know, the harder you had to sort of work to find something that was skatable and then the more impressive that was in a sense. And so um, that was also the, the, the dawn of the video age. And so kids were able to start filming each other with camcorders and things like that. These days they use iPhones, but you started to see clips of, of people and videos from different parts of the country, different parts of the world of kids, you know, skateboarding in their own unique way in all range of countries and cultures and you know, you really started to see how broad this was um, and could be. And so, you know, it didn't matter whether you were rich or poor in an urban area or semi-rural. It was, it was too rural and you only had gravel roads and obviously that wasn't going to work. But if you had, you know, pavement and some curbs and some benches or whatever, that was a skatable space. And um, the cost of a, skate, of a you know, top level skateboard is 80 to 100 bucks. It's, you know, it's not pocket change, but compared to some other sports, you know, I mean, that's literally all you need. And then you go out your front door and there you go. So, you know, I think it was in the nineties that you really started to see the ranks of professional skateboarders, you know, who they were, you know, the color of their skin, all that really, really change. And it just has always been from that time on, it's just been super normal that literally everybody skates and, you know, so the top skaters come from every part of the world and every culture and every country. So 
you know, that kind of a thing that the, the inclusion part of skateboarding has always been there. It's just a matter of, you know, even back in the seventies, you had Asian and, and black skaters and Hispanic skaters who were all top, top names in skateboarding um, because it was, it, it didn't have any boundaries in that sense. And uh, it was only in the nineties when it became really accessible because you didn't have to have a skate park that you really saw that you know, come to full fruition. You talk about the inclusion of, of diversity. Can you talk about the athletes who skate with disabilities? Yeah, so uh, a big part of, of USA Skateboarding and in, in, in understanding that we have this sort of hold this unique position in this country anyway as the NGB, you know, we looked at the, at the diversity and the inclusion question and it went beyond race and economic background. And we really saw, particularly through the lens of one of our board members, Oscar Loretto Jr., who's an adaptive skater, you know, that within skateboarding, there are these amazing athletes, you know, who, who have challenges. Some are blind, uh, some are wheelchair athletes, you know, you know, the whole range. And they're, they're so amazing and they're inspiring. And some of them are professionals. They have pro models out, you know, but it's because you can watch them skate and it's, it's beautiful what they do, you know, and you almost don't, don't look at the challenge they're facing. You just look at what they're doing. And that, that's, I think, maybe the beauty of skateboarding is when you, go, when you enter like a skate park, you go to a skate spot, everybody there has a skateboard or maybe they're in a chair and they're riding. And it's almost as though that becomes their foremost identity, you know, in that context is, is, is that there's, they're, we're all skateboarders, right? And then whatever else you are, that's secondary. And um, it just creates a common understanding or just opens that communication channel amongst everyone present. Um, and so... I, I, I'm not a psychologist. I can't get into all the details of it. I just through through my you know 40 plus years experience know that instinctively when I'm traveling, I could be anywhere in the world and I see somebody with a skateboard, like I'm way more inclined to just start a conversation or ask them about something than if with someone who isn't. Or if I just notice that their shoes have a certain scuff on the side of it, you know, or you know the telltale sign of a skater, I'll like, it's just it's an invitation to introduce yourself or to you know ask them about themselves or whatever and. You know, that goes back to the days when in the early 80s, when it was like there were very few skateboarders. And if you saw somebody with a skateboard, like, hey, wait a minute, who are you? you know, what's your story? And that kind of persists for, for, for those of us of, of a certain age. But, you know, being a skateboarder, I think, is this dominant identity where it doesn't really matter what your, you know, what your other background is or, or whatever challenge you might have. That's the defining factor for other skateboarders is that you are you are one of us. And again, it's it's not about, oh, well, let's see what you can do. Let's see how good you are. It's how do you express yourself with it? It's about the form and the art of it than it is the technical, you know, like, oh, can you ollie this high or can you flip your board this many times? It's, well, let's see your art. Let's see you, it's, it's I don't know, let's say dancing. It, it's a performance, you know, what, you, what you're doing on your skateboard and it's nothing to do really with um, technical. In, in a contest, I guess, if you're gonna be competing you're in the Olympics or whatever, then yeah, then it comes down to technical ability partly, but also the artistry of it. You know, the people that really stand out are the, the really high achieving technical skaters who have a flow and, and, a, and a beauty in the way they express their, their skating. Um, and those are the people you're gonna see winning the events, you know, because they stand out. And so, you know, at, at the sort of ground level for the, for the rest of us, you know, who aren't Olympians, that expression, that personality that comes through in skateboarding um, is really what stands out and what sort of galvanizes us and connects us with one another. And, uh, you know, that sort of opens those doors to communicating and interacting. And I think that's really what it's about. The skateboard, the skateboard is a tool to connect with other skateboarders, right? 
you know, so for us, you know, championing the cause of adaptive skateboarding, um, USA skateboarding, you know, is at the forefront of the of the discussions and the effort to include skateboarding in the Paralympics, for example, and you know, having adaptive sessions at, at, at our clinics and events. You know, in 2022, we worked with the Grind for Life organization to include an adaptive division in their contest series. Um, so there'll be adaptive skaters competing in, a, in the first year-long series ever. And just, you know, bringing focus to the concept, you know, of, of skateboarding for all that, like literally everybody can benefit from this. It, there's, there are no barriers, there's no age limit. There's, you know, just try it. It, you know, like for so many people, it's, it's, it's probably what they're looking for the way it was for me and for, you know, people I grew up with. And um, if you don't try it, you're not going to know. And so our goal is really to create those opportunities, um, you know, educate people, uh, share what we know about it. Uh, the beauty of it and um, hopefully give them opportunities to come in and check it out and give it a try. And, um, you know, if not for them, maybe for the kids, you know, and again, there are no barriers and we really want to, you know, champion the, the, those opportunities and demonstrate that, you know, everybody can be a skateboarder. Community is so important. And I think in our community, sometimes we feel like we're on the outside. Parents, deal with so many other challenges and a lot of the message that they receive is no or you can't I want parents to hear that you can and your children can just having that connection and there are different organizations which I think are so fabulous but it's not an inclusive model it's still just uh, a model where you're you're still going to be away from everyone and having something in the community where everyone participates and it's about the beauty of their expression. That's so important for us to know that it's there for us. And I, that might sound silly to you, but a lot of things we're told are not for us and for our kids. So I think that's really beautiful and important. Anybody I've ever known in the skate community, I felt like it was always just a celebration. You know, it wasn't in some things where you're like, oh gosh, they did that. It was, it, it was a lot of like cheering others on and being inspired when someone, you know, took it to the next level. And that, that's so important. I wanted to ask you about the para, is there somebody um, skating in the Paralympics and about adaptive gear? Yeah. So uh, skateboarding is not currently in the Paralympics. Um, and that's one of, you know, we're in the position to advocate for it. So certainly that's something we're, we're striving to, to see, you know, and, and having those conversations and, and trying to, trying to demonstrate through our own work, what this could look like and, and what it would mean, um, you know, to help run an adaptive division in a, in a full contest series in 2022, I think will be a, a great um, step forward in that. I'm continuing to have adaptive sessions and adaptive inclusive skateboarding clinics, I think is going to be an important part of it. You know, we're going to keep doing our work in that regard. And then we're going to try and advocate up, up the chain through the USOPC, et cetera, to see, see that happen, you know, um, so that the world can, can see what these athletes are capable of, you know, within skateboarding, as I mentioned, there are plenty of, you know, sponsored adaptive athletes, some of whom have pro model skateboards and skate shops. And, you know, again, it's, it's, they're celebrated for what they can do and how they do it. I think in, in skateboarding, you know, it, it's, a, it's a challenging sport. It's a challenging endeavor. You know, we're, we're all adapting, right? As we, as we learn to skate. And so I think we identified the struggle in one another as people were skating at a certain spot or at a park. We, we understand that here's, a, here's somebody who's at this level and they're trying to get up to this level. 
you know, and we see them trying and trying and trying. And when we see them have a victory, even if it's something rudimentary, you know, maybe just rolling down a, a, an embankment for the first time and not falling off, we see that victory and we, we recognize the struggle, I think, in ourselves, trying to do whatever we're doing at our level, whether it's higher or lower, and we get excited for them, you know. And I'm, I'm guilty of like being at the skate park and doing my thing and across the park, I can see a kid, you know, just kind of doing his own thing, her own thing. And you see them struggle, struggle, struggle. And then all of a sudden you see them land their trick or accomplish whatever they're doing. And you're just like, you start applauding from across the park and, you know, calling it out. And everybody's doing the same thing. It's, it's almost like you thought we were just minding our own business, but we weren't. We're in everybody else's business because it's like, you're, it's, it's energy there and you're, you're feeding off it. And then that kid's like, what? You know, like somebody took notice or, you know, or if you're skating with them and they're trying it, you're going to start giving them encouragement, you know, maybe a tip here or there about like, I'll lean this way or try this or whatever, you know, it's just, it's interactive. It's, it's, it's communal, you know, and um, it's cool. And the same thing is like when you're struggling and you do it, suddenly people are smacking their boards on the coping and like, you know, hooting and hollering and you're like, oh, cool. You know, it's like, you're getting that feedback and um, it's just, it's supportive. And I think you go to the skate park and you go, you know, to the skate spots and you, you almost go just to get that positive reinforcement you know you're going to be supported there it doesn't matter whether you're you know top pro or struggling amateur or whatever that's just skateboarding everybody's excited to be there to be skateboarding and um you know excited to see other people achieve things because it's almost like re reassurance that well whatever you're struggling with if you keep going you know you'll get it too you know so that's the atmosphere and you know again i think that's universal and i think as an organization usa skateboarding we really want to push the boundaries of what that means and what universal is. And, you know, I think historically skateboarding has been pretty racially diverse. I think there's much more we can do there. Um, we have a DAI committee and, and they're focused on ways we can achieve that too. But I think diversity and inclusion certainly goes well beyond that. And our adaptive efforts are, are part of that. Um, and again, I think everybody can be a skateboarder. I mean, we, we even consider wheelchair athletes skateboarders, you know, the quick, technically they're WCMX, you know, athletes but they're part of us and um it's cool and um i love seeing our community grow and and just you know the boundaries of what it means to be a skateboarder and and who can be a skateboarder you know just broaden and um for me that you know as a skateboarder that's been a, you know a huge huge gift to me to, to to see that happening i think the and with with the opportunity with the olympics and the you know the exposure and you're literally bringing skateboarding into the homes of billions of households around the world um, I think we have a great opportunity now to really push the boundaries of that and, and try and project out this message that, you know, everyone's welcome here and literally everyone. If all, all the world were a skate park. It's the world we want. It's the world we push to advocate for. And I think of my son, but I think of all people that are often pushed to the outside and aren't included and to see a space where everyone is included and everyone can be cheered honestly. Not, you know, oh, good job, good job. Right. You know, like an honest. <laughs> yeah. At our Play LA clinic, all, all the kids there that day were excited. The most excited kids were the kids in chairs, right? Like they'd go up over the hump thing and they, they were going down the other side with their arms in the air, just like, whoo, you know, like um, they, were, they were fearless by the end of their session. The only people more excited than them were their parents over on the sidelines, just, just, just out of their minds, you know, going nuts. And... Um, you know, and that's, that's something that I, I, I've seen obviously over the years, but uh, that day really kind of galvanized, you know, that, that idea that, you know, it, it reverberates well beyond 
just the skating and the skaters, it, you know, it, it, it goes outside, it goes beyond the, the literally beyond the boundaries of the skate park and you know it's, it's energy and it just it's infectious and so you know uh i just have a firm belief that skateboarding has this magical ability to attract kids and inspire them in ways that, other, that nothing else can right there are certain kids who probably aren't attracted to you know traditional stick and ball sports um they're a little bit different and they're looking for something that's that allows them to express themselves that, you know, maybe it's, it's an artistic slant. I want to know what it is, but skateboarding provides that. And for me, I just know that as an 11 year old in you know, 1980, skateboarding was like at a, at an ebb, you know, it was big in the mid and late seventies and it kind of went away. And somehow I picked it up when very few people were doing it. And it was such a godsend. I remember skating around my driveway at the time thinking, wow, like I recognize that I found something. And then I, connected with other skaters and then found a local skate park, you know, like I found my people. Right. And at that age, you know, living with my mom, I was a latchkey kid, you know, divorced household, like to have something that every day kept me just focused, you know, um, looking back was like a godsend, you know, and, um, and it doesn't have to be that dramatic for most kids. It could just be something that's fun for them to do, but it can be that it can be that sort of life-changing opportunity to find a focus and to express yourself, particularly in, in those teen years when you're just riddled with all kinds of angst and confusion and, um, and whatnot. So, you know, and that's universal to all kids. And I don't think, it, again, backgrounds or, you know, challenges, you know, notwithstanding, it's like, it, it can be that for, for anyone. And so um, I just feel blessed at this, this point in time to um, have, be in this position with, with USA Skateboarding to really share that idea and you know and i and i and i share that from a personal personal point of view you know i'm not a champion athlete but i managed to be a skateboarder for 40 plus years you know and stick you know stick with it and be part of that community and all of my best friends to this day all the, the pe people really close in my life i met at the local skate park when i was you know 12 13 14 years old we've stuck together it's uh you know it's literally a life-changing thing it can be doesn't have to be, it could just be a fun thing to do, you know, but, you know, I just want to see kids have the opportunity and to try it and see what it means for them um, and let them take to it and, and do it in their own way. And, and maybe, maybe they'll reinvent it. Maybe they'll come up with something brand new that everybody jumps on. And that's, that's where skateboarding will go. You know, we can't, we don't know, but um, it certainly changes and it morphs and it adapts and it, and it is modified by the kids doing it today. And that's the key thing is just give them that chance. So I'm very excited uh, to, to see this, you know, continue to grow and change and take on new forms and um, be expressed through new people with new ideas. And, um, you know, as many as, as we can invite in, that's what we're going to do. I want to go back to the day at the event. And when you're talking about the kids, the only people happier were the parents. And that's why I want to celebrate you and talk about your organization today, because we advocate for our children. We fight fights that were fought long ago, so we shouldn't be having to fight those fights. And when we are offered the opportunity or our children are offered the opportunity to participate in something that we've never thought would be a possibility because of what we've been told or what is out there for us, and to see our child celebrate amidst other children uh, in a diverse and inclusive environment 
the joy that you bring. It's a, a gratitude that is, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what words without being El Sapien. It's just such a profound gratitude and relief and celebration that, that we don't always get as, as parents of children with disabilities or differences. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. And also think about how you changed the neurotypical kids that were at your clinic that day by having the story include that diversity of disability or different abilities. It changes the story people are told. I know the difference in the story if I'm living it, but sometimes people have to see it. And it changes the dialogue and the narrative about disabilities that's been kind of passed down. And that's really what is needed, I believe, to change the opportunities for our kids. And I, I'm going to second what he said. I, the whole talk about a skate clinic and the skate park is if I could have that in my child's classroom, if the world could be more like that or every environment that we we bring our child or introduce him to it, if every educator, if every provider, if society could have that mindset, it, I mean, one, for everyone, the world would be a better place, but um, just the opportunities would, would be met. Well, that's the advocacy I see is that building these little spots, which are skate parks or even places just on the street that people are coming together and they're just borders. And they're not this, 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 this that we define in society. It's just like being a human. Like you could actually substitute skateboarder for human and skate park for world. And I think that it would. Yeah. And building these little places where that's happening, you know that on the hours of the day that these kids aren't skating, that they're changed from their experience at at the park. And they go out into the supermarket, school, whatever. And the chances of them including are higher the chances of them being inclusive and and letting people into their lives that they may not have before those experiences that is the advocacy i i see and that's why i i said i, I said let's just go to a skate park today i just i just want to check but it out i think we've advocated so hard for the classroom we're just going to start advocating for for skate parks yeah i spent 16 plus years helping get skate parks built and like you, you were you were talking about you know the, the fighting and and the, the struggle to advocate for the rights for your son and you know it's it's a different kind of, of battle but skateboarders have been advocating for their right to skate and for spaces um, for decades now. And, you know, I, I, it's not the same fight, but I hear echoes of, of what you and your community are doing and what skateboarders have been doing. And I think your podcast gives them that forum, you know, gives your community that forum to support one another, you know, and to learn from one another and to embolden one another and, and give each other courage to, to continue that. You know, I, I guess your podcast in a sense is sort of the, 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 the skate park for your community in a way. You that's know? such a compliment. Yeah, that's a real compliment. But I think it's important. I think it's critical that, you know, any identifiable group, identifiable group that faces a struggle, come, they come together and they, and they communicate and they share ideas and best practices and whatever, and um, really change the narrative of whatever their issue is. And I think skateboarders have done that for decades. Um, I mean, when I started, you know, early 80s, you know, all the skate parks had closed down. There was nowhere left to skate, but everywhere I went, even though there were no, really no skateboarders, there were signs everywhere that said no skateboarding, no skateboarding. You know, so I was, you know, at a young teen, as a young teen was just given this, this, this constant barrage of negative, you know, impressions about basically who I am and what I'm doing. 
but in my heart of hearts, I knew that skateboarding was great. They just didn't, no one recognized it. And so I kind of set out at that age to, to change that, you know, and I, I saw a future that had skate parks and where skateboarding was embraced and people were doing it all over. And so in a sense, I'm living in that, in that future I envisioned, you know, which was, which is really fulfilling. And I think every group hopefully has that, that vision in mind of what, what, should, what should the world look like? You know, I don't think we're quite there yet, but like, this is 180 degrees different from where I started as a young skateboarder, you know, where it was like, they were literally trying to legislate us out of existence. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, we're a very similar age. And so I grew up in Louisiana where skateboarding wasn't a thing. I think it was early 80s. It probably started on the coast first. Yeah. But the first introduction to skateboarding to me were the signs, no boarding, no skateboarding, no skateboarders. So it's like actually the person, right? Because I can see there could be a low percentage of disrespectful people that go, I'm just going to go skate here where people don't want them skating because of the noise or scratching up something. Fine. But there's also just a public place to go where, yeah, you can just go there and skate, right? You should be free to do skating. But my first introduction to skateboarding was this negative thing that that then you would have this perceived idea of who, what a skateboarder was. Was he or she rebellious and scratching up things and making a bunch of noise, you know, like not the artistic part of it and the sport of it or the soulful part of it, you know, but it, it was hard, it was hard to see the beauty in it when it had, had this, this sort of negative outlaw shell around it that had been built around it. Yeah. That's the similarities that I see is that this, um, the misperceptions, and that's what we talk about all the time is misperceptions and stereotypes. Everybody has, has the opportunity and ability to be a shining light. You know, you hear, sometimes you hear like, oh, it's not so much about what you say, it's how you make someone feel, right? And so as individuals, regardless of who we are and what challenges we may, we may have, you know, we can interact with each other and create an impression, right? And leave somebody with a feeling through what we say, what we do, you know, a gesture across the room, whatever it is, right? And so we all have the ability to create that positive interaction and inspire people and make someone's day a little bit better, right? You know, everybody can do that. And for me, it was like in, in skateboarding, like I recognized early on, like I wasn't a great skateboarder ever, but I got good positive interaction from people around me who were like professionals, right? And I have plenty of good friends who are, you know, top professionals and they're never hesitant to skate with me. Like, it's not like, it's not like I'm not welcome to skate with them. It's that, you know, like that's never been a thing. If you're on the, if you're on the skateboard, skate, you know, take your turn and everybody takes their turn, whatever. And so we all have, all have that ability to choose to, to be that that shining light and in someone else's day or life. And um, it, it's not about our abilities. It's not about what we say or how we look or whatever. It's what impression do we leave? What emotion do we convey? What, how do we make other people feel, you know? And I think in skateboarding, it's just like you come into it knowing this is this great thing that you really enjoy. So you come in with a positive attitude and you, that just comes out of you. It just, just spreads around you. And if everybody in that scenario is doing that, then everybody's going to be lifted. Right. And so, I went to the skate park on Friday night, came after a long week at work. And, uh, you know, I get there and I, I'm in the corner where the bowl is and I can just see, and this was, you know, Friday night, you know, when everything, quote unquote, everything's going on, but that park was packed with kids and a few adults and everybody, boys, girls, whatever. And I'm just like, wow, what, where would these kids be if this park wasn't here, you know, on a Friday, like they're all here skating, you know, and uh, super positive. And next thing I look up and a friend of mine walks up, he's like, hey, what's up? You know, like I hadn't seen him in a while. And it's like, you know, it was just, it was just awesome. And I realized that it's been awesome for my whole life in skateboarding and it'll continue to be, you know, he and I would hang out at the skate park, you know, 30 years ago, 
and uh, and we just sat there talking and the same as we would all that time back in the eighties, you know, or whatever. And it's such a gift to be able to still do that, you know, to be somewhere, have somewhere and, and just have those, those opportunities to interact and meet some new people and that kind of a thing. And that's, that's what skateboarding is about. It's just about doing your thing and experiencing other people do their thing. And it's an exchange, you know, and you come away with it, with this impression, this, this feeling that you get from others. And hopefully you've conveyed the same thing to them, you know, a little bit better than where you were at the beginning of the day, you know. I'm so happy for this conversation this morning because I, I hope people see the parallels of community and inclusion. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, adaptive skateboards that are out there. Um, are there, and also the cost is a little bit more expensive. Uh, is Are there any programs that provide skateboards or help with the cost of skateboards? And also, are there any less expensive skateboards that you could recommend? Yeah, so... Um... I don't, I don't know of, of any adaptive specific skateboards, but there are skateboards of all sizes and designs that depending on the individual and their particular challenge, you know, they can be fitted for a different type, you know, bigger skateboard, smaller skateboard, skateboard that needs to be sat on, that kind of a thing. And then there are num a number of organizations that, you know, both provide, you know, opportunities to skate and also equipment. And I can put some of those together for you for, you know, in the links. So, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on the, your part of the country. A lot of these are, are smaller local regional organizations. And uh, there are certainly cheaper skateboards. You know, uh, the, the skateboards I talk about are, are boards you can get at a proper, you know, professional skate shop. And they're, they're meant for like, you know, sort of tricks and professional level skating. So you can certainly get like entry-level boards um, at department stores, sporting goods store, stores. They're fine to start on. Um, and those would range probably around 40 to $60, something like that. And then there's also, you know, like if you go to the skate park, there's, you know, there's, I don't know anyone, you know, my age or around my age who, who who isn't at the skate park with a trunk full of old equipment. This is waiting to like find that one kid with the board that's all beat to crap. And, uh, you know, you're going to go out and grab a board and bring it out. And it may, it may be a little bit used and, um, you know, but they're happy to, to take it. And so there, there's that stuff that happens too, quite a bit. And most local skate shops, uh, I think are happy to work with people if, if it's, if it's, you know, depending on what their ability is and what they need. And, um, you know, just, if you see a legitimate local skate shop, go in and talk to the manager, I would say, you know, it's like, they run that shop. They're not, they don't run that shop because they're turning huge profits. They run it because they love skateboarding and they love seeing kids skateboard, particularly kids coming in and getting their first skateboard. So, you know, a, a parent that needs some help, I think just walk into your local skate shop and just talk to them, see, you know, see what they can do. Oftentimes they'll have something behind the counter that, a board that some like one of their team riders just took apart and maybe it's in perfectly good shape and like, hey, here's some boys aboard we get some wheels you know like i can't think of a single skate shop that wouldn't go out of their way to try and help somebody out like that so that's just person person in terms of programs there, there's a few out there they seem to come and go um so i'll try and put together a list for you for the show notes that Thank would be you. great that would be great to have just um like you said a great example for life but also once you are on a board where there's wheels underneath you, which I feel like that sometimes just in my everyday, you know, it gets a little bit scary. And so, you know, just having, having that guidance as far as a piece of equipment and just starting, like you're just saying, just start, right. Just start where you are 
a board, some pads and a helmet, and you can go out there. It's uh, honestly, as far as exercise go, it's a great core builder. Balances. Balance yeah. is huge. It, it also does great things for the brain, uh, for the cognitive ability. Once we get our kids out there exercising, there's uh, cognitive uh, benefits that, that we see, the ability to retain information. Um, there's a communication there. There's a socialization. There's so many great things that I know that are there. I just didn't realize there I don't think I realized that this conversation was going to be so rich with humanity and just what we strive for as far as inclusion goes. I, um, I didn't realize that. I mean, that, that skateboarding, you know, it looks like, it looks like a big business. It looks like, you know, a big Olympic sport, but it's a bunch of people who happened upon this, that discovered it for themselves and have been trying to work to build it and share it, you know, our whole lives. Um, it, it's a thing you do, but it's an, ex, it's an experience you have. And it's a way, ultimately, not so much to perform and do things, but a way to connect with other people, you know, and that's what it's been for me. And I think that's really at the core of it. Everything you see in terms of the photos and the video and the great feats, you know, physical feats that the professionals do, you know, that's almost the byproduct <laughs> of them being part of a community of other skateboarders to inspire them. And, and you know, in their, in their case, they have great ability. So they're inspired to express themselves in these grand, you know, sort of grand, grandiose ways, you know, with these huge feats. But nine out of 10 of them, I think, do that not because, you know, there's a paycheck at the end of, of the end of the day. They do it because it's in them and they, they, they need to, they need to come out, you know, like they see something that they think they can do and they just need to do it. They need to satisfy themselves. Um, so again, that inspires the rest of us to just pursue our own path with skateboarding and with each other on our, on our parallel, but separate trajectories. So we're all on this earth at this particular time and space for some cosmic reason I don't you know I'm not a religious person but I think that there's there's order in the universe and I think that the fact I'm on the podcast that we're talking about skateboarding it's not so much an accident as as it is it's is part of you know some sort of cosmic convergence that we're all here and so I think our goal as people is really to be able to connect and I've not found anything in my life that gave me a better ability to connect than skateboarding and, and meeting people and I've literally traveled the world working for skateboarding magazine um, and meeting people who would literally point me out of a crowd because I'm carrying a skateboard, you know, and next thing you know, we're best friends. And, and I've been literally, I've circumnavigated the globe. I was in Vladivostok, Russia in 1992. And these kids just rolled up to me on their little rudimentary skateboards, you know, like stop, you know, who are you? Where are you from? And next thing you know, I'm skating with them for the next three days all over town and their little their spots. And just amazing that they had their own version of skateboarding. This would be pre-internet, but they just pulled me in. I was part of their crew for those few days, you know, and it was, it was beautiful. And uh, again, it's a gift to, to, to have this in my life. And I, you know, through, through USA Skateboarding, I'm just blessed to be able to make it my, my, my work to share it, literally share it with everyone. And that's really our goal with skateboarding for all. And uh, as we roll out the initiative and, and try and get these events and qualified instructors in more places to do this. Can we talk about the clinics that are available? Sure. We can also provide those links because I want to really talk about the event that's coming up as well. Mm -hmm. um, but do you have any programs right now that are available or any clinics? And are they in different areas of the country or just here in California? So the Play LA event was like sort of our pilot and we learned quite a lot there. So um, we don't have a series of those events at, at the moment. You know, we're, we're now just now rolling out the initiative fundraising for it, et cetera, uh, to grow that. 
Um, we are, however, you know, through our position as, as the NGB, you know, we're able to reach out and, and create, you know, strategic partnerships across the country amongst national institutions and with municipalities like City of LA, whom we're working with right now to, to develop a, a recreation program that would offer this through their 29 skate parks throughout, throughout the area. And one of our partnerships is with the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, and we, we do an event with them called InnoSkate. And InnoSkate is, a, it's two things. One is an online curriculum that we're working on that will teach STEAM curriculum with a skateboarding theme. And so kids can go online and take these lessons and teachers can use this to assign to students. And so it has the Brainiacs at the Smithsonian working on the curriculum part of it and USA Skateboarding working on infusing that into skateboarding themes to show how you know skateboarding and science work together. And that'll be available, we're hoping, in the spring. But we're also working with the Smithsonian on a series of events called InnoSkate, and they're, they're outdoor festivals. We currently have two planned in 2022 um, in Colorado and South Dakota, and that's an in-person in event that has you know, interactive booths and activities you know, to learn about skateboarding and the science and the innovations in skateboarding. And then there's always a skate clinic associated with that and learn to skate opportunities there as well. So we're hoping to expand that, and that's that'll be more of our sort of in-person presence. But then through the instructor accreditation program, that's where we really hope to see a proliferation of these kinds of, of opportunities across the country where we can empower local communities based on our experiences with what we learned through working with the city of Los Angeles and expand that to um, be able to work literally across the country and create these opportunities for kids through local instructors. So it's ro literally rolling out um, and we're doing our, our fundraising for that right now and, and really trying to give that program and be a whole initiative overall so for skateboarding for all some legs to expand and really be a much bigger part of the organization moving forward, you know, showing that skateboarding and, and USA skateboarding is much broader than just the Olympics. And it's about the community. Can I ask you when you're working with the Smithsonian, I'm sorry, with the Brainiacs at the Smithsonian, as they create this curriculum... I'm hoping they already do, but to have in their mind a diverse learning field and the supports like for our children, I, like for my son, I can't say our children, but for my son, uh, front-loading, shorter, less abstract, these kind of accommodations allow him to access a curriculum. So that might be something because you're an inclusive organization that you've already had the conversation. Yes. Have you already had that conversation? Uh, we we have uh, the the curriculum is 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 designed to address students at different levels. Um, it's done in conjunction with the Smithsonian Spark Labs, so they've been doing this in other in other areas for for a long time, um, and so they're kind of leading that part of the the content. But for sure, there's going to be components that are geared for K through six, uh, junior high, and, and high school level, um, and so though there's there's going to be different um, sort of levels of of the, each curriculum, and um, you know it's going to be geared for different different groups. So I, I can't speak to the details of all of that because that's really, you know, they're, they're guiding that part of it. We're more involved on the content side and making it relevant and having the, the skateboarding part of it be, you know, um, authentic and uh, really connect with the, the lessons. So, but yeah, definitely having various levels of, of instruction is part of the online curriculum. If the conversation of neurodiversity became part of it and how to create the supports to actually allow it to be accessible for a, a neurodiverse community, that, mm. that because I see like the skating part and that inclusive of the f physicality, mm -hmm. a lot of the things that we're on the outside of as a community is education. Yeah. So if that was part of the conversation, that's such a... Um, for someone like the Smithsonian to, to um, acknowledge and make that just 
part of its inclusive agenda, that would be, yeah. that would be groundbreaking. That would be. Well, I'll, I'll guarantee you that neurodiversity is going to be part of our next conversation with them. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I promise you that Thank much. You. We appreciate that. That means a lot because that, that's how we change it. If it's just something that is just what we expect to be there, it's, it's changes the world because it's not really the conversation that is actually in place right now. You saw those parents cheer when their child in a wheelchair was able to participate. It's that same for a parent to be able to show up and know that their child has been considered and <laughs> that the supports have, are already there. It's not something that they have to bring or fight for. It's not an extra conversation that they have to have. All of these things which create a non-included feel if that's something that's already there, it's like you said, it's the ripple effect that just changes. It builds the, a template the for uh, for future projects, and it as changes well. the fiber and fabric of that individual, um, the people who create it, the conversation that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell the Smithsonian to be more like a skate park. <laughs> yeah. Well, w- when I was you know working on skate park advocacy, you know there were a lot of conversations early on about well, this is a skate park, so it should be skateboarding specific, and we shouldn't allow bikes because bikes tear up the coping and this and that. And they're steel and they're heavy and they mess up the skate park. And you know my response and the response of everyone around me was like, well, we've been excluded for decades, and now we're advocating and, and having success in creating spaces you know where we're welcome. Why would we then slam the door on the next group, you know, just because that community isn't organized the way we are and and they're, you know, a decade behind us in their advocacy, why can't we just open the door for everyone, you know, and we we stopped referring to skate parks as skateboard parks, we started referring to them as, as all wheel parks, and whether it's a bike or inline skates or scooters, you know, or skateboards, it's a space for anyone on wheels, wheelchairs, right, I mean, let's just create something that, that's different from everywhere outside of it, right? You know, again, it's, it's a little bit, literally in concrete build that world that we envisioned as kids, you know, and I don't think that skateboarding and skateboarders set out to, oh, let's create an inclusive community or whatever. We were just trying to create skateboarding. And, and as an organization, USA Skateboarding Now, we recognize that that's a important, almost accidental component of skateboarding. And so we're striving to preserve and to kind of highlight that. And ensure that it continues and it continues to evolve beyond, you know, inclusivity that goes beyond where it is right now. You know, we, we're in a unique position to do this. I think skateboarding for all is really going to help us promote that. And it's something we're dedicated to. And, you know, we have a few years in between each, each, each Olympic games, you know, so it'll keep us busy for sure. I know. And, and again, it's, you know, for me, a great joy to, to be in this position, to be able to work on this and to, to fight that fight. Would you like to talk about the, the event that's happening on December 11th? Oh, so December 11th, we're hosting our first uh, USA Skateboarding 2021 wrap party. And I mean, it's been such a remarkable year for skateboarding and for our organization and um, for our team. And so we're bringing everybody together in Carlsbad, California for an event, limited uh, in-person capacity, but we're going to have unlimited online webcasts so people can register for free and and watch it if they're not in the area um, or get a ticket and come come see us um, in Carlsbad. And um, they can have the team together and basically have them talk about their different experiences from our virtual national championships at the beginning of the year, where we had kids literally all from all, all part of the country send in videos of themselves skating. And like literally everybody, everybody got to participate in the national championships. Just send us in a 45 second video clip unedited of you skating your local spot or your local park. And some kids made it you know, all the way to quarterfinals, you know, like kids you never heard of. And um, it was really cool. And so after the semifinals, the top eight were flown to California to compete in person. 
in very controlled, you know, safe environment with social distancing, et cetera. But it really worked out pretty well. And so we're looking at maybe continuing, at least for the first couple of rounds, keeping it virtual. And it just eliminates the need for people to travel. It makes, opens the door, you know, it, it just lets more people participate. And so that was great. And so we'll talk about that. Uh, the World Championships in Rome, where Jagger Eaton, a member of our park team, competed in the street, of, street of World Championships and qualified for Tokyo in street skateboarding when he was on the U.S. national team as a park skateboarder. And then in Tokyo, of course, he won the bronze medal in street skateboarding. So there are these great stories like that. There's, um, and then, of course, Tokyo is going to be the, the big story because skateboarding's first Olympics. And how did that go? And where do we go from, go from here kind of a thing? And so it'll be a really great first time the team's back together, you know, and um, I think a great way to end the year. And, and it'll be a great way to celebrate with our friends and supporters. We'll have some skate legends attending as well. And um, music by Ray Barbie, who's a professional skater and an amazing musician. And um, just a really great, fun party. And uh, we're looking forward to that uh, to kind of end the year and to you know highlight skateboarding for all and really get ready for 2022 when we really hit the ground running we can include a link to the rap party here if you're virtual it's free it's free to watch and be inspired december 11th december 11th and if you're in carlsbad and if there are tickets or you can get to carlsbad if you can get to yeah. carlsbad but but and if there are tickets available yeah, by the time you hear bucks. that they're 25 dollars and this money goes to support usa skateboarding and the skateboarding for all initiative when I initially met you and I saw this and, and there was one girl who was skateboarding and she had Down syndrome. Our son has Down syndrome and she was just skateboarding like everyone else. And I have to tell you, a lot of times we go to different events and it's not like, hey, man, no, try it. You haven't had a chance. Try it. And I'm going to support you. And I think that's the difference because that's what we ask for in life. That's what we want in the classroom. That's what we want for education is just support him and watch what he'll do. And really the mindset of this entire event uh, was just, we're going to support you so you can reach that potential, show what you can do and be you. And there was one girl and she was skating and she was like every skater I've ever met in my life. She just, she was there. She did it. I think she kind of like popped off the board for a second and then jumped back on. And it was just like, I'm going to support you and then you're going to get it. And I witnessed that. And that's when I was just like, I need to talk to whoever is in charge of this because I need for parents to know this is here for individuals to know this is here. And for that opportunity to be there again, for another inclusive activity that we may have thought that wasn't for us. It was just really beautiful to see because it was everything that you've spoke about. It was it was everything that we want in the world and the connections that make life and this world a better place. And I think that's why I was so drawn to you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your invitation to come on. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but this has been an amazing conversation and I uh, appreciate the opportunity. This has been such a delightful conversation beyond my expectations, which I think is, I guess that's what the whole thing about inclusion is, is going beyond expectations. So thank you. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Mm-hmm.